right. It is August 17th, 2022. Here with Lawyer Talk Blitz Edition. It's Wednesday, and that means, of course, it is Blitz Wednesday with 99.7 Loper and Randy. I've been off for a couple weeks. Uh, I had a jury trial last week uh, out in Hocking County, the gorgeous Hocking Hills, a, uh, a self-defense murder case. I am happy to say it went the correct way. Our client was vindicated and found not guilty on all counts. What more can we ask for out of a uh, out of a case? You know, so often we try these cases. So often um, people ask us, "How do you represent these these awful people accused of crimes?" Well, it is also true that people often are wrongfully accused of crimes. And uh, in the case of a self defense homicide case, this uh, this is actually true more than people might expect. You know, if you ha- are unfortunate enough to have to use deadly force uh, to defend yourself or defend somebody else. It's not always the fact that the that the police will come to your side and say, great job, and give you the round of applause for being courageous and doing what was right. Uh, and in this case, that's exactly what did not happen. The police uh, did the opposite. The prosecution did the opposite. Uh, they actually condemned my client for intervening in what was obviously a domestic incident, uh, domestic violence incident, and uh, what, on behalf of a, a young lady who clearly needed help. So, you know, this is, uh, it's, it's tragic for everybody. Life was lost, um, but at least uh, uh, the right outcome happened. My client did not lose the rest of his life because that's exactly what he would have been facing, his life in prison. And, uh, you know, when you, when you frame it up that way, your choice is use self-defense, defend yourself. Um, sadly, somebody lost their life and you risk uh, the rest of your life in a prison cell. Um, so the, the consequences were extreme. Uh, at stake was everything for my client, and the jury returned the correct not guilty verdicts on all three charges. Uh, so we are uh, still uh, recovering and celebrating from that, but that doesn't mean we're not going to answer the Blitz questions, and uh, it doesn't mean that we're not going to continue to answer your questions here at LawyerTalkPodcast.com. Just go there and submit them. Uh, I've got a few in the bank. They're going to be coming in the next uh, coming weeks now that I've finished my trial. So uh, uh, it takes all us. I am on it. Uh, questions will be answered podcast will be delivered and the show will go on for now we have the blitz ready to interface uh here we go oh better call steve our number one lawyer who's definitely helped out our family and we're like hey guys he could help out yours and right now he's gonna give free law advice rick are we having a good connection with steve uh steve yeah can you hear me oh Oh, there we go yeah fantastic better than ever like are you kidding me he sounds so good all right. Well, we already have we already have a question that came in via text, Steve. Would hit it right now. Yeah. My girlfriend is being sexually harassed by the owner of a company where she works. She he hugs her and grabs her butt. The worst, he pinned her in his office and kissed her against her will. When he went in to kiss her, she had back to the wall, so she turned her head away. But he grabbed her face. I told her the next time this happens to call the police and file charges for assault. Does she have the right to do this? Would that legally be considered assault? Yeah. 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 I mean, that that is an assault. So an assault is any sort of any unwanted touching like that uh, that causes uh, you don't even need to call serious physical harm. Um, just just, just a, an assault like that can be a crime. Now, there's also sexual harassment claims against an employer. Now, depending on where she works and how many people work there, it may qualify under Title VII, which is federal law. And even if he doesn't qualify under Title VII, there's some Ohio... Uh, law that that might apply that would give a cause of action. Generally, there's two forms of sexual harassment. One is a quid pro quo, where you either do this for me, or you're going to lose your job or lose a promotion, or you won't get a promotion. Um, And then the other is a hostile working environment, where it's just so 
uh, obnoxious and continuous that uh, the work environment's impossible. Uh, the key to this is making complaints in writing. The key to this is uh, is documenting everything that's happening. And the key to this is don't let yourself be a victim. Uh, you, you, this is this is horrible behavior and conduct. Nobody condones it. Uh, and there's help out there. So uh, starting with the police isn't a bad idea. Making a complaint to human resources is going to be uh, critical. Uh, and then getting some legal advice will also be critical. Uh, so I strongly suggest you do that. Nobody should have to endure this at work or anywhere else. So, uh, man, I hope it works out. All right. We have one on uh, online, actually. Who's our caller? Uh, we have Tristan, Tristan with a question. Go ahead, Tristan. You're on the air with Steve. I currently have a living situation. There's water coming through our ceilings. We have multiple problems at our apartment, and they're not keeping up their end of the deal with our lease terms, right? Well, um, I've been trying to open up an escrow account, and I can't give them a 30-day notice, and I don't know what to do. Yeah, this is uh, probably something you want to get a landlord-tenant lawyer for. I, I, you know, I don't do a whole lot of landlord-tenant work. I know only enough to make myself dangerous. This sucks. Uh, generally speaking, the if you're renting, your landlord has to provide a habitable dwelling. And you know, you would ask, what the heck is a habitable dwelling? Well, it's one where water's not coming through the ceiling to start. Um, two, where you've got basic amenities like heat, uh, you've got uh, safety, you've got the the appliances work, just basic stuff. Um, and it sounds like the landlord is not uh, living up to their end of the bargain here. So I strongly say, give me a shout, 614-224-6142. We can refer you over to a landlord-tenant lawyer. You can also, there, there's lots of resources online, I think, uh, for such things because you get in this spot where, man, it just costs a lot to hire a lawyer, but on the other hand, you need the legal advice. I mean, that's one reason why I do this here every week, but uh, I can't always uh, answer every single question. Landlord-tenant issues, these are nuanced enough where I'm not comfortable giving solid legal advice other than let's get some solid legal advice for you. So give me a shout. We'll try to refer you somewhere. All right. I've uh, got a text here. It says, I'm currently getting a divorce and found out that our debt is being split 50-50. But since then, I have seen paperwork uh, that my husband incurred $30,000 worth of debt, both during the end of our our marriage and during our separation. A large portion of it on eating out, and it definitely wasn't with me or his children, just himself, probably other women. My question is, what if I don't pay it? My lawyer says there's nothing he can do about the 50-50 split. He said, uh, she said that her name is on none of his credit cards. So she doesn't see how creditors can go after her, um, that she wasn't responsible for any of that debt. What, is there anything she can do? Or is there anything her lawyer can do? And he just says he can't. Yeah. I mean, look, I've got to defer to the legal advice she's getting from her attorney. And we have to trust that that attorney knows what he or she is doing and understands the circumstances. Um, So let me take it a step removed from this particular situation. There is uh, such a thing as unauthorized spending. And this happens a lot, I think, where at the end of a marriage, one side may be uh, uh, cohorting with others outside the marriage and uh, spending a bunch of money. And it's frivolous. And uh, it it hardly is fair for your spouse to have to pay for half of that. So if you're out gallivanting around taking trips with your girlfriend or boyfriend uh, and you want your soon-to-be ex to to help fund that, uh, that's a tall order. Um, now, it's it, to prove that, you're going to have to uh, go into court with evidence and, and, and 
do your best to establish that it was not only frivolous, but probably, uh, I, I don't know exactly what the standards are, but you get what we're getting, you get what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, now yeah. the attorney here probably knows about this, probably a lot more than I know about this and hopefully can give some advice on whether this is viable because, you know, divorce is such a dynamic uh, type of litigation. There's always a give and take somewhere. And a lot of times, like in much litigation, the give and take is legal fees. So you could spend uh, easily 7,500, 10 grand in legal fees to save 15 grand in debt. And uh, and that's just a maybe. So it, it uh, there's always a, a, a place where the curves cross, where it's like, you know what, I don't care. I just want this thing over with. Uh, but uh, principles sort of pushing you in the other direction. These are tough, tough decisions to have to sort out, particularly at the end of a marriage where there's lots of emotion anyway. So I strongly encourage you to have a very open and honest conversation with your attorney and really air out what the options are. And, uh, you know, if your attorney says, look, there's nothing we can do, at least get an explanation as to why. And, uh, and, and so you understand that way, when you move forward, you'll know that you did everything you could. I'd also be choosy with our lawyer. We've never felt that way about you. That's why we want you on our show. And we want you to help other people, our listeners, because we love our listeners. I've never felt that way at all, that that I was, you know what I mean? Some people at the end of their situation, even if they win, they feel like maybe the lawyer wasn't what they thought. Do you know what I mean? I I, I 100% support you. And I, I love the law of voice you, uh, advice you give. Someone else just wrote it and he says, I need some advice on how I can handle this. A coworker has been telling coworkers that he plans on offering me a narcotic painkiller. Then he's going to report me for stealing. Well, okay, that's I mean, weird. The the plan. Okay, it says the plans to have me drug tested and fired. I have never stolen anything. He simply just doesn't like me. I have also never failed a drug test. So I go to my boss and I told him what these people are planning, and my boss says he can't do anything because nothing has happened. Is there anything I can do or say that would make a difference? Well, I mean, this first and foremost, and you already know this, it sounds like you don't have to do anything wrong. Nobody, you know, you don't have to uh, take drugs. You don't have to accept drugs. You don't have to uh, do anything here. So protect yourself. You've made the report. Make sure it's documented. I would if you're hearing rumors or you're hearing uh, innuendo like this, you know, keep a journal, keep a log and say, uh, I heard this on this date from this person. And, you know, if you've got an ally there, have that person give you a statement, document your case before it happens, maybe. Um, but it, you know, first, like, you know, like the Hippocratic oath first do no harm, don't do anything wrong. And it's gonna be very difficult to frame you for doing nothing wrong. Uh, and, and obviously if you don't have uh, uh, dirty urine, uh, or if you do have uh, something in your urine, but you have a prescription for it, then you'll be okay. You know, it's like I said, what other people do, you know, you can't control that. You can control what you do. Don't do anything wrong. Document what you hear. And hopefully this all shakes out. Uh, I've got a really interesting question that just popped up on text. Uh, this person says my nine-year-old son used his allowance to buy prop money from Amazon just to play with, to have some fake money. She says that she facilitated the purchase because her son obviously doesn't have an Amazon account and doesn't buy things online for himself. Nine years old. Well, uh, the prop money, the fake money was delivered. It's clearly marked play money and for film prop use only. And she said it's like $100 bills and the color looks good, but it also has that. It's clearly marked that it's fake money. She says she has a fr had a friend in town who brought her 16-year-old son. She says her 9-year-old gave the 16-year-old a few bills. The 16-year-old turned around and tried to pay for something with a fake $100 bill. 
So he was cited by police and has to go to juvenile court. And this mom wants to know if she could be in trouble for it. So she's the one who's actually bought the money for her son. No, I don't think so. Look, I mean, this kind of thing happens all the time. There's lots of things out there. I'm trying to think of something analogous, but uh, just use your imagination. There's lots of items out there that can be used or adopted to commit a crime. And just because uh, you supplied that item innocently doesn't mean that you're responsible when the person does use it uh, to commit a crime. And that sounds like that's what's happened here. I mean, even your nine-year-old didn't know, you know, you, you give the money away to somebody and it obviously says it's not money. And that's that. Now, it would be different if you gave money away to somebody that was not clearly marked as counterfeit or or prop money. And then you would know or you would have reason to know that they might turn around and try to use it. Uh, Then you both might be in trouble. But uh, at this uh, based on this scenario, I hardly think that uh, you have anything to worry about. And, uh, you know, the 16 year old probably wasn't even really. Uh, trying seriously. Look, there, there's a reason that juveniles, uh, we have a juvenile system because yeah. juveniles are, are, are just that. They're juveniles. So hopefully it works Good out one for buddy. everybody. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good one, buddy. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's an interesting thing. Kids can buy anything on the internet. We learn the hard way uh, when your grandparents give uh, a nice quantity of a Amazon gift card. <laughs> they can you go can buy anything buy they want. whatever the hell they want, guys. And it shows up to your house. If you wanted it or not. <laughs> so be careful with the amount you give them on those gift cards. All right. Uh, someone just wrote in, I got fired from my job because someone complained about my personal life. It was nothing work related. And everyone at my job is still talking about my personal life like it's theirs. Should I go through with filing a wrongful termination lawsuit? Well, you should certainly go through with fi- uh, consulting with an attorney. Um, uh, you know, I don't know what the circumstances are here. I don't know what the in- situation is in the personal life. I know, in, you know, in the last couple of years of the woke uh, era, uh, there's been, you know, people fired for posting stuff on social media that uh, one way or another politically their boss doesn't agree with. And, uh, you know, I know there's been some wrongful termination claims that have arisen out of that. Generally speaking, you can't be fired for uh, the protected things like uh, your gender, your age, your race. You know, these are protected things. Um, but then there's wrongful termination claims that just sort of exist in common law. So if it's unfair that you were terminated or if it was unlawful for some reason, you might be able to get uh, an attorney to help you negotiate some sort of settlement with it. Um, getting your job back is going to be tough, but getting compensated uh, for damages that you sustained as a result of losing your job, well, that may be possible. A lot of times uh, employment lawyers will help negotiate a severance package as opposed to just flat out termination. So it's certainly worth consulting a uh, an employment lawyer who knows what they're doing. Give me a shout, 614-224-6142. I'll be happy to make a referral. All right. This is an interesting one that just came over text. It's from Chelsea. She says, my sister went to prison in 2018 and was incorrectly charged with burglary on an abandoned house she lived in for a month. It was an abandoned house. Her boyfriend did forge and record the deed, and that came with other charges. But the burglary is six years of her 12-year sentence. We paid for a lawyer. Nothing really went on for a year. Is there anything we can do about the mischarge? She also got charged with RICO. What I don't know what that means, but I've heard RICO Act. I've heard about it in some yeah. shows. Yeah, so it sounds like there's a lot more yeah. to this. Um, so burglary means you entered a dwelling. Uh, it doesn't have to necessarily be occupied. It can be an unoccupied dwelling. Um, it's worse if you enter somebody's house at a time where it's likely that they're present, but uh, there's different levels of burglary. So, it, and honestly, burglary is sort of confusing because it doesn't mean necessarily that you took anything. It just means that you entered at a time when somebody's present or likely to be present, or you entered with the intent to commit a misdemeanor, sort of like trespassing. But anyway, uh, as far as the RICO goes, that in Ohio, RICO is racketeering influence and corrupt activity. 
uh, or corrupt organizations. Uh, in Ohio, we call it engaging in a pattern of corrupt activity. And basically what it means is you commit a series of crimes as a pattern to commit uh, or to to, uh, to achieve a, a greater goal. Like uh, if you commit a bunch of thefts and you make a lot of money on it, RICO is designed to make those crimes a little bit more serious or a lot more serious, obviously. But uh, uh, instead of just a bunch of small level thefts, you get convicted of a big felony, the first degree, if it's part of an organization or a pattern of activity. So there's more to this. I, I, would, I would need to know a lot more in order to uh, give some firm advice. There's other options. Sometimes uh, you can get early release, something called judicial release, after you've served a certain portion of the sentence, and that may be viable here. I don't know. Give me a shout, 614-224-6142. I can help you assess your uh, viability for early release or other options. Uh, we had a man text in, I won't say his name, but he said he's going to soon be filing for divorce from his wife, who is physically abusive. He says he once recorded her on his phone uh, hitting him and ripping out his hair. And um, he said he wants to know, is that video illegal because she didn't give consent? She, he said she knew that he was recording her because he was pointing his phone right at her while it was happening, but she didn't give consent. Will that be allowed in court? Yeah, there's nothing uh, unlawful about that at all. Um, it's it's uh, Ohio, believe it or not, is a one-party consent state, meaning unless you're a certain type of person, like lawyers can't just record calls willy-nilly, um, but generally people can record other people in, in Ohio. It's one-party consent, and they're like, well, uh, that sounds like uh, the other side has to consent, but it doesn't mean that. It means that the party recording it can also consent, and that's good enough. Um, this is wow. not This is not advice for everybody to go out and start recording phone calls. Um, but this isn't even that. I mean, it's not even surreptitious or hidden or secret. Uh, you've, you've did it in right in the person's face. So clearly, uh, they, this, this individual knew it will be admissible for whatever it's worth. And, you know, I, I should also say this, whether it's a male, whether it's a female being abused, report it, you know, this is, uh, it's like, I think Mike Dick, they used to say, you're going to endure what you tolerate. Um, and, and here, this is not tolerable. So if it happens, call the police. You know, nobody should be a victim. Call the police. Put an end to it. And uh, and usually once or twice, uh, it stops. But it, it's hard to do. It's easy to say. But uh, please be safe. So you're saying he should report this particular incident to the police anyway? Yeah, I would. I mean, it might be too late, I suppose, if it's been months and months and months. But anytime there's physical abuse like that uh, from a loved one or anyone, just report it to the police because it'll stop it. Uh, you know, sooner or later, it'll stop it. And that's the that's the best advice I can give. You do not have to endure this. All right. Someone wrote in. I'm not going to name their name uh, because they said they're embarrassed. But my picture and name is put on a bulletin board of thieves at my workplace. Yet I still work there. The store manager is singling me out. She doesn't have any respect for me. She doesn't even look at me when she speaks. She's talking to other coworkers about me. She told me to stop calling the store and coming in after I did my application. I talked to a gentleman about it one day, and the next day I had a job interview. Uh, she has been very rude to me every, every, day, every day since. I feel singled out. I feel humiliated and disrespected. Why would they want a thief to work at their store? Now, everyone in the store is talking about my picture on the wall. I guess I don't understand if this person really is a thief or if it's just like we're going to screw with this person and, and act like she's a thief. But uh, I think they're screwing with the person. I don't think that she's a thief. I mean, in the email or the text that I'm reading right now. Yeah. Then I would say know? take the damn picture down. <laughs> you know, If you're not a thief, you're not a thief. Tell your boss to take <laughs> the picture down. And, and this is one of the situations where document, document, document. I would I would go in, I would, uh, in writing, I would say, here's what's happening in this, in my work environment. Uh, and it's not tolerable to me and it shouldn't be tolerable to you. 
And if you get fired for that, that's uh, then you start to uh, dig into a possible cause of action. There's also uh, sort of like the hostile work environment. You can make uh, the, the employment situation can be so bad that it forces you to quit. That's called a, a constructive discharge, which is fancy talk for saying life at work sucks so much that I had to leave. It was just intolerable. Uh, and then that also could potentially be a, a claim or a lawsuit. Um, you know, the best advice I can give anybody outside the purview of, of the legal system is just leave, you know, get a new job if you can, hopefully you can. And, uh, um, I, I, the person wrote back in and says, uh, they, I guess they work at a grocery store. My boss in the deli department gave me permission to take, uh, some food items home, some old subs. And that's why they put me on there. Yeah. Whatever the circumstance, that's not theft. I mean, if you have that's permission, so sad. Yeah, yeah, that's like, uh, make a claim or make a report. Uh, to human resources. If it's a grocery store, it's probably a bigger chain. Go up the chain of command. Make sure it's in writing. Make sure your your grievance here is aired out and documented. And that way, if it escalates even more, you can, you'll have some uh, maybe a, a cause of action or some some relief later. Um, like I say every week, you know, it's really important to document things. Don't just uh, scream to people in the ether and expect them to write it down for you. You have to do it. You have to take responsibility. Send an email. Send a letter. Make sure that somebody has this in writing in your file at the place, at your employer's place. Well, thank you so much, Steve. We will talk to you next Wednesday. We love when you're on our show. But what is a phone number everyone can reach you out? Yeah, it's simple. 614-224-6142. Everybody's going back to school. Ohio State will be back in school soon. That means, uh, you know, people tend to run afoul <laughs> of the of the norms of society, we'll say. And if that happens to you, no big deal. Put my number in your phone, 614-224-6142. He's the best. We love him. Talk to you later, Steve. Thanks, guys. All right, another great Blitz Wednesday. Um, awesome questions, you know, day in and day out. I, I never cease to be amazed by uh, the really intelligent questions that people ask. You know, they, they dig into it. They have, uh, it sounds like they take their time. And they're looking forward to asking the questions. And I look forward to answering them every week. So if you've got questions, uh, it's simple. Call the Blitz. Or if you don't get through, call me, 614-224-6142. And if you want it answered right here at LawyerTalkPodcast.com, uh, you go to LawyerTalkPodcast.com and submit your question. I know. I say it every week. I'm, I'm behind. I get it. But I just finished my jury trial. Um, I'm back in action. I am, uh, I, I'm going to start hitting it down here in the studio and looking forward to uh, a, a long line of questions getting dropped week in and week out. So uh, check us out at uh, OhioLegalDefense.com upstairs if you need help from the law firm. If you want to check out the podcast, I'll go to uh, LawyerTalkPodcast.com. Here we are every single week off the record, on the air, at least until now.